brought to you by thegamereviews.com and proud to be part of the Unified Gamers Network. You're listening to Big Red Potion Co-op Mode Episode 4, the podcast that ends with you. I'm Sinan Kiva, uh, your returning host, and uh, I'm joined as ever by the wonderful Joseph Delia, the man who puts the in into infamous. So, uh, Joe, I feel like I barely know you anymore. Uh, it's been <laughs> yeah. ages since we thought. Absolutely, yeah. I've been, I've been hosting a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, it's good. Oh, what, what's it called? I don't remember. Oh. Um, well, anyway, what, what have you been up to? Uh, I, you went to a little show in Los Angeles? I did. I went to a show. I met up with um, some, some former Big Red Potion guests, which was really cool. And um, it was fun. Yeah, now I'm, I'm tired. Really tired. That's good. How have you yeah, been? Uh, well, I've, I've kind of been laughing at you a little bit because as soon as you got back, I, I saw the TGR forums just filling up with preview after preview after preview of uh, all, all our writers submitting their previews from E3, and it's just crazy. I it's, guess I should check that out then. <laughs> sorry, John. Uh, yeah, sorry, John. Um, it's just been mental, like uh, the amount of information that's been coming out of this convention it just seems like it's been bigger than any you know e3 before it's just been crazy yeah yeah i mean there was there's some people at that they they showed off some stuff it was it was cool awesome um so anyway we should probably get on to this week's show which we're not going to be talking about e3 for like the first time in about a month sure um yeah we're going to be talking about uh games we've played before e3 uh all about 2009.5 as i decided to call it um because I don't know if you like or you tuned into any of the sort of end of year shows last year, um, but all I kept hearing from all those podcasts was people saying that they everyone was forgetting about the first half of the year when it comes to like recognition and awards and uh, like what games were important. And I thought, well, fine. In that case, we'll talk about the whole first half of the year in its own little show and uh, give it the recognition it deserves. Except we can't go back and correct 2008, but we can do it for 2009. So that's uh, good. Yeah. So uh, I guess in this show what we're going to be doing is talking about all kind of games we've been playing in, uh, in the first half of the year, touch on some of the games we haven't been playing and why we didn't play them, and uh, look ahead to the second half of the year and uh, what games we're kind of looking forward to. And uh, I, we were talking before beforehand in a pre-show and uh, kind of laughing about how many games we both want <laughs> in the next <laughs> six months. It's just crazy. It's, it's insanity. It's, uh, there's more games this year than I've ever had in my mind to buy and it, I, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. And, the, and there's going to be that whole fall craziness like last year, except oh. it's almost certainly going to be worse this year. Wonderful. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> rather than doing that for now, we'll, we'll, we'll look back and uh, start with January. And uh, I think we put a hand to you, Joe, because uh, I looked through my list of games I played, and I hadn't actually played a single game that came out in January. So. Um. Uh, you know what? I'm actually the same way because I was playing everything that I missed during December, November. Because if you remember, last holiday season was kind of ridiculous and uh, it hasn't really stopped since then. So I got nothing for January, but I got a hell of a lot for February. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what what games were you playing towards the, in, in January then? Which ones were, um, were you catching up on? I actually, for some reason, was playing Tom Clancy's End War. Which oh, really? Was, um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like, it's a, it's one of those games, it's an RTS, but you can talk to it to tell, like, your troops to go here. And while my girlfriend didn't really appreciate it too much, she would give me the dirty look as I was yelling at my microphone, telling the troops to go attack this base. Um, I was getting some dirty looks, getting some odd 
evil eyes, but it was um, it's actually kind of fun. It's weird, and right. um, yeah, I mean it's it it's it's good up until the point where they start throwing nukes at you and you can't speak fast enough to stop them, and then right. you're kind of just effed. But other than that, I mean it, that's that's the the question really, isn't it? With that game, is it realistic that to to think that we could have that system? And I, I don't know because I mean. I, how how experimental, how fully functioning was the system in End War? I mean, I, I don't really know how how high quality it was at all. Well, I mean, especially coming after E3, where pretty much the big topic at E3 this year was control and how that's going to change in the next couple of years. How you control your games is going to be totally right. different. And, I mean, End War tried to do something really different, and it actually worked really well. Um, as long as you... Um, you can pull up a list of voice commands on screen, and that's basically what you could say that the game would react to. So you right. would pull up the list and you'd read it off pretty much. And you'd have to obviously juggle things in your head like, oh, i got to send these guys after this target. And, you know, it was it became very hectic later on, and you have to do a lot of, like, voice command stuff, make sure your troops are doing what they have to do. Um, I think it worked pretty much as well as, you know, a, a, a Command & Conquer-style point-and-click interface would, except that End War is a much simpler game. It, obviously, Command & Conquer has a billion commands, so it would never work in that game, but... You know, it's a simplified Command & Conquer. Um, the, the control system worked actually really well for what it was trying to do. So, I mean, I mean, that, that is the question, really. Is it going to... Could it could it operate in a more frantic, more multitasking game, like you say, like Command & Conquer? Even, I mean, Command & Conquer in itself is kind of on the simpler side. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're talking about a really sort of hardcore RTS games, could it actually work? And uh, that's where I get a bit sceptical. No, I, I think if the game was, if the game had more stuff in it going on, if you had to juggle resources more than you did in Endor, I, think, I don't think there was any resources in Endor. So, so I mean, I may be wrong, but um, if there was more going on, it probably would have been impossible to do. But if a simplistic thing like that, they, they did the best they could. Yeah. But it is interesting. That, that, I, I, that has kind of been the theme since... Uh, Really, at the beginning of the year is control and different types of control, and I mean, we, I guess, in kind of leading into E3, there was a lot of talk about um, motion control, and then we started hearing things like let's tap, and uh, sure. you know, it's it's interesting. Like, uh, I don't know, like um, in terms of really where we are going to go with controllers, and I just I think when you look at Envoy, it's kind of maybe an example of a game which maybe didn't actually need. I don't know. The skeptical side of me thinks it's a game which doesn't need that. It's just a gimmick, but uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you think about it. If they had made it a controller-played game, like I don't think people would have cared because right. playing a RTS on a controller isn't really that much fun. But they tried something different with it. I mean, if you look at actually Ubisoft's new RTS game, Ruse, that's kind of a weird game, too. Like, you can totally play it with Microsoft Surface, that table that you can you know draw things on and stuff. And that's, like, another weird controlling thing. And, it, you know, I I think to get an RTS work, and, like, I should, Sony, even in their press conference, they showed that, R, that you know, fake RTS being played with the motion wands. Yeah. And, like, I don't really, I don't really know if that's going to be fun or enjoyable, but at least they're trying to, you know, make RTSs somehow accessible on consoles. And I think the voice command system, um, I think had they maybe... Had the game been a little bit better, the game's okay, but had it been, like, a strong RTS, I think maybe the voice commands would have worked okay. But um, the way it was, it was just kind of okay, like, you know, average. Fair enough. Um, I was just looking at my list, and I I was playing a game as well from the big collection of games that came out at the end of last year, and I was playing Left 4 Dead. Oh. uh, Which... uh, 
absolutely sumptuous game, and of course we just had the news to me through the, the, the sequels out. I mean, uh, I I don't really want to talk too much about about it, but I'm I'm definitely on the on the side who thinks it's uh, too soon to be quite frank about it. Yeah. Especially, the, it looks a bit like a DLC pack to me. Sure. Um, but I don't know. Left. I don't know if Left 4 Dead had as much impact as I thought it would, which is weird because um, when we first heard about it, we kind of thought, oh, it's another kind of niche Valve game, which is probably not going to do too much. Then it got all this heat uh, just out of nowhere, really, and starts becoming, you know, uh, kind of this this phenomenon, which uh, it was, you know, really becoming the game of, of the fall, and then. Um, it didn't quite sell as much as I expected it to. Uh, I was kind of expecting maybe more like five, six million across the systems, and it just didn't do that at all. No. But you know what? I mean, obviously zombies are ridiculously hot now. I think for what it did for a new IP um, that came out during the busiest holiday season, the busy season period of any time during the year, I think it did pretty damn well. It sold oh, yeah, no, totally. a couple million. And um, I don't know. I tried Left 4 Dead 2 at E3, and it feels pretty identical. But I think like the whole backlash is just because Valve has never done this before. Like they've done, they've given so much stuff away in the past that now that they're trying something different, it's like everyone's you know jumping down their throats. I mean, I don't know. I, the way I see it is that I should have paid two hundred bucks for what was included in the orange box. So if Valve's going to take some money from me now for Left 4 Dead, do I will I will give it to them. Yeah, I mean that is a pretty good argument. I mean I, I don't know whether there's a bit of. Uh sort of uh, brimming underneath uh, resentment because of Half-Life 2 Episode 3 not coming out. Uh, mm. Everyone was expecting <laughs> that to be the, the yeah. news. And, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe that it's, that's what it is. Really. You know what? Um, I, I'm sure EA had a little bit to do with this thing coming out right away as well. Um, just because they love to milk their stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I'm still going to buy it. I'm still excited about it. And what I played of it, they did change quite a bit. It feels like a, a different... A different game. It, it, they did a couple of cool things with it, the, especially the way the AI comes now. Where, you know, in the first level of Left 4 Dead One, first level of every scenario, you kind of get through it pretty easy. And within um, like maybe two minutes of playing the Left 4 Dead Two demo, uh, Eddie Inizadu, myself, Jeff Madaleff, and I forget who the fourth person was, were getting destroyed by the horde and the new zombies that were. There's one that has pretty much a hammer hand, and he pounds you into the ground when he comes near you, and um, it felt so radically different because we were getting pounded immediately that I my, my appetite was wet and I am officially looking forward to Left 4 Dead 2. Awesome. Uh, and just uh, incredibly jealous of that. But, uh, That's lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll be doing with Left 4 Dead 2, which I, for certain is getting it on 360 because I got it on PC, mm. uh, and that was a huge mistake. because I, I was just surprised that it was a huge mistake because... Uh, you know, it's a Valve game, sure. and I kind of assumed probably everyone's going to be getting this on PC, but all my friends got it on 360, and I yep. have, didn't really have anyone to play co-op with. And uh, I'm sure you've you've like you've played it in, in the, with the AI. It's it's just not good when you're playing with strangers with the AI compared to playing with friends. No, sir, not at all. But to be fair, there is a Resident Evil mod released this week for Left 4 Dead PC that I'm incredibly jealous about because I want to play it. See, now I'm going to play, go play that and feel better Absolutely. about myself. So that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Okay, should we head, in, head into February? Uh, sure. I think, uh, I think you have a game that you'd like to talk about from February. <laughs> um, I seem to have noticed on Twitter that you've played it quite a bit. Yeah, I was a tiny bit obsessed with, um, with one particular game that came out in February, which was uh, Street Fighter 4. Sure. Uh, just, 
I don't know. I, I was a big Street Fighter 2 fan. I've said this on my blog. I, I pretty much Street Fighter 4 would have won me over as soon as I'd seen the first screenshot. Just I knew that it was going to win my heart. It just looked like Street Fighter 2, but new and exciting and different, which is all, I, all I'd wanted from the beginning. But when I actually got my hands on it and played with it, just... I don't know. It, there are sort of those. I remember my collaborator post those kind of games where you just the controls feel flawless, <laughs> and everything feels perfect, and everything feels just smooth and complete. And and like he was saying, Gears of War has that, uh, um, Burnout Paradise in some respects. And I, I, for me, Street Fighter Four just felt flawless in my hands. Just everything about it, I couldn't find a fault with it. Apart from like the online is a bit dodgy, but for what I wanted, it did every thing perfectly mm-hmm. and I don't know so, so far there hasn't been a game in 2009 which is compared to it for me wow wow that's, that's great yeah I mean you know it was the fighting game to have like I haven't really been interested in the fighting game since um, I can't even imagine I don't like 3D fighters so the Tekken hasn't interested me and you know the first time I touched Street Fighter 4 it was immediate love and even though I didn't play it as much as you um, I loved it. I played it to death for a while. I bought the arcade stick. I went the whole nine yards. And uh, I mean, it's the it's if you're going to get a fighting game this generation, there's nothing that you should even look at besides Street Fighter Four. Absolutely, I think I think it just it, it exposed the overcomplications of most of the 3D fighting games. You know, like uh, with Tekken and with Virtua Fighter, just these ridiculously long uh, combination moves, which are just boring to learn and. Uh, just Street Fighter 4 it, it's it's not just the fact that you remember all the moves it's the fact that it's, even if you don't it's quite easy to pick them up again right. and uh, I know a lot of people said that it was there were some problems with difficulty settings and the uh, tutorial which was the challenge mode which is probably not up to scratch but I think for uh, someone who's au fait with the fighting genre it's just it stands really tall above anything else that's been out in the last few years I mean, it's. I'd say Soul Calibur 2 has been the last decent, really, really decent fighting game, and then Street Fighter 4 is, I think, better than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really don't see another fighting game coming out in the next five years that equals Street Fighter 4's level of mastery over the genre. I mean, it, it was great for the hardcore fans. It was great for the casual people. I know a ton of people that don't play a lot of games that wanted Street Fighter 4, that played Street Fighter 4. And it was also the kind of thing that, you know, my girlfriend picked it up and played it, and she loved it, even though she's never played a Street Fighter before. So I think it was just a combination of the really cool graphic style they came up with, the accessible gameplay, and, of course, the level of mastery that you could totally get into if you wanted to that made Street Fighter Four just, I mean, I don't know, it's definitely one of the best games of the year. Absolutely. Um, there's another game, we, we've already, we already did a show about it, uh, one of our very early shows which you were on, which was Flower. Yes. Uh, came out in February. Um, I mean... Looking back at it now, four months later, do you think that uh, Flower had much of an impact on on downloadable games on 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 gaming? Because a lot of people think that it's you know this really really important game, and I know we weren't that big on it, but I don't know. Uh, do you think it's it's changed the landscape in any way? I don't know because I mean. I think I think I said something similar to this last time, but I think that had that game not been hyped up, I think it would have done a lot more damage. Like, I mean, Braid had, of course, a couple of followers behind it, you know, before it came out, but there wasn't this really, like, there wasn't high anticipation for it. There wasn't people, you know, oh my god, this is the day that's coming out. I'm going to count every single second until then. 
it kind of came out of nowhere and surprised everyone as this r- ridiculously amazing game. Whereas Flower, people were really looking forward to that for a very long time. And I think because of that anticipation and because every critic said, oh, wait till you see the ending, it's going to blow your mind, that, like, that hurt it for me. Definitely hurt it for me. And yeah. um, I don't know. I think it's definitely an important game, and it's definitely a game that every PS3 owner should try if they haven't already. But I, I can't say that at the end of the year it'll still be on people's minds. Right. Um so just looking through February, uh, I can't see anything I touched which was new. Uh, Lost in the Dam came out. Did you get to play that? I haven't, but I'm, it's, it's definitely an intriguing thing that I would love to see. I mean, I wrote an article once about how I think that certain games don't get their shot at retail and they should kind of like, you know, um, repurpose like the gameplay, the engine. Like if you look at something like Bionic Commando, that game could have been something... Obviously, it's not doing well in sales. And I think the gameplay in that is very fun. And I think if you you know, maybe take the shell of that game and kind of build a new package, uh, build something else around it, make it like a downloadable title, for example, with some different missions and stuff, it could be really cool. And that's kind of what they did with Lost in the Dam. They took you know the core gameplay from um, Grand Theft Auto 4 and just kind of added to it, put some new stuff in there, gave you a new story to experience in a game that's been out for a while. And um, it, I think it's definitely. Uh, I, I'm really. I, I'm not a fan of GTA, and I didn't like GTA 4 that much. But I've heard nothing but great things about Lost in the Damned. I heard it was actually better in some ways than GTA 4. So I mean, it's something that I'll probably try one day. But I, I actually have not touched it. I mean, it's, what I think is interesting about Lost in the Damned is, is the kind of the scale of it and sure. the fact that it really is like you kind of saying a standalone game and. Uh, what it kind of does is it, it, it's turning GTA 4 into a platform right, uh, rather right. than, you know, a game, which I think is really exciting. And, right. Well, you know, okay. this is what Burnout Paradise became at mm-hmm. the end of the day. It stopped being a game, it starts becoming a, par- a platform for lots of these little additions, sure. uh, which just kept bringing people back. And right. um, like, I don't know, I think open, open world games have a advantage in that. Uh, they seem to be the ones doing this more than any other kind of game, being able to have these downloadable content packs that just really add something substantial to the to the game. Well, I, I think and hope that more games are going to do this plat- take this platform approach. I mean, Valve's already said that Left 4 Dead 2 is going to be their platform, and they're going to keep adding on to that, and that's going to be their game. And uh, Fallout 3, I mean, the stuff that they've done with that game is incredible. I mean, they've added entire new cities and areas and everything into that game, and they're seamless. You could walk right from your on-disc mission to your DLC pack. And I would love it if more games became platforms where, you know, you could totally add as much stuff as you want into the game world, and it's a seamless experience if you want, or you could just continue playing what's on the disc. And I mean, especially Rock Band and Guitar Hero, that is just, I mean, that kind of blew open the music uh, genre to levels that could never have been done before. And in a way, it kind of burnt out everybody on music games because there's just so many choices now within it. It's really it's it's interesting again because you, you bring up Fallout Three and again that's another open world game, and I'm sort of thinking of downloadable down content packs which haven't been popular. And I immediately think of Prince of Persia's one, which mm-hmm. um, I, I always think of Prince of Persia as a game which pertains to be an open world game, but is actually completely linear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it you it's linear in the way you decide it to be. Uh, you can go to A, B, C, D, or B, A, C, D, or C, A, B, D, whatever, right. but at the end of the day, you're still getting to the end point. Right. Um, and there was a lot of controversy about, you know, that downloadable content pack coming out too early, and it's ruining the ending, or whatever. 
do you think that it's it's difficult for linear games to have that kind of ability to have these downloadable content packs that can add you know extra extra stuff to the game because I think there's almost an element of closure with a linear game compared to an open world game like Fallout 3 or Grand Theft Auto 4. I think it's more awkward when a game like that tries to do it because like I remember in an Xbox One Splinter Cell the first one they added two missions onto that game and it was just like all right I've already finished this game I don't really remember how to play it but now I'm going to go back and try and jump into these two missions that really have no backstory or any you know don't really fit in with the rest of the game. And it's kind of weird. Like, Prince of Persia obviously did fit in with the game, but when I played that, I had stopped playing Prince of Persia for about two months because I had beaten it. And it was really hard for me to jump back into that game and enjoy it. And I didn't actually... I think playing through that DLC kind of hurt my opinion on the game more than if I had not played it. And the same thing about the Tomb Raider DLC, which, A, wasn't really that good, and B, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy playing it because at that time I wasn't playing Tomb Raider anymore and I didn't really have an urge to go back yet because I had just finished it a month earlier. Right, and I mean, with Fallout 3, there were a bunch of people who were still obviously playing Fallout 3 by the time sure. the DLC came out, and it's just like, oh, new stuff. And, you know, in some ways, they, even if they had stuff left to do, they just, will, you know, will get this new stuff anyway, gives them the option to go to, to go do the new stuff, which is really, really cool, and uh, that's why that, that those downloadable packs have been so popular. Well, I think with Fallout 3, it's just so much easier because that game never ends. You could just right. keep going in that. Well, now it never ends. They added that option on. But, I mean, like, I haven't played Fallout 3 in a month, but as soon as these two new packs come on, I'm jumping back in there, and I'm going to play it, and I'm going to love it because that game didn't really close for me. That book is still open, and it's going to be open until New Vegas comes out, I think. So, sure. um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think, as you said, I think open-world games just can do it much easier than a closed game could and makes everything fit in so much nicer that you almost want to go back and see what happens. It'll be fascinating to find out the um, the numbers on uh, the Lost and Damned and uh, the new one, the Battle of Gate Tony, when they come out. Because you know, if even if it's just like two million people on Xbox Live downloaded, that's huge. That is momentous. Sure, sure. I I don't really. I mean, they haven't really been forthcoming with that those information, so I'm not sure how well it did. But I know Lost and Damned broke some kind of records. I remember them saying that. I don't know. I think, you know, if you... Obviously, Grand Theft Auto is not really the example to use because it's the biggest game in the world, kind of. Right. <laughs> but if you look at something like, as you said, Prince of Persia, or even Fallout, which is a very popular game, but it doesn't have GTA numbers. Like, how are those Fallout packs doing? I would be very interested in that information. Definitely. Definitely. Um, just in terms of games that, that didn't come out in February, but I was playing them, I, I played uh, Heavenly Sword. I returned to that on the PlayStation 3. Ah. Did you ever get a chance to play that game? I enjoyed that game. I played it when it came out, and I did enjoy it. But yeah, like, it's just, it, it, there were so many games that shouldn't have been continued in the early PlayStation 3 cycle, and ones that should, and Heavenly Sword shows really should have had a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, there was potential, and, I agree. That, and it's just not going to happen now. I agree. Yeah, the gameplay was okay-ish, um, right. but I did enjoy getting through it because I loved watching the cutscenes, and they did some really epic moments in that game. I'm sure you remember oh, yeah. the scene later on where you're fighting this army of, of like thousands, and you're just slicing through them left to right. And that's something that I don't really think I've seen in a game before done in that particular way. I mean, if you look at the the horde of people behind Noriko, there are literally thousands of independent soldiers running at her. And right. it's it's really kind of incredible, and I, I and I heard the new God of War does something like that, although they haven't shown that yet. But sure. I, it's it definitely did some really cool things, and it did some cool narrative things also. But um, in the end, it wasn't like a top tier PS3 title. 
I think as well as it was quite technically impressive in terms of being able to handle all those uh, people in in the screen at the same time. That was what one of the things that impressed me. But I think one of the things that let it down, which had let down a lot of the early PS3 games, was this awkward implementation of the six axis, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know if you remember, kind of having to fire the arrows and the yes. cannonballs, and it's just could have done could have done without that to be honest. I know it was optional, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been a fan of the the six axis to be honest and uh, even in like Warhawk people are like oh no you get used to it you'll totally love it and I hated it in War- Warhawk and I turned it off after about 20 minutes I mean it's just it just feels unnatural I've never enjoyed the implementation I can't think of a game that I really loved doing it in I don't know I think right. I think the less six axis support the better to be honest and how, how early do you think six axis was really in terms of the PlayStation free cycle because it feels like a lot of the games didn't know how to implement it and even now, like I can only think of a few which have really done it right. Well, to be honest with you, I went to E3 2006. That was the year they unveiled it at the conference. Right. And I asked the developers behind, um, there was like the F1 game was there, the racing game, and uh, a few other titles. The only game that had it playable on the floor with Six Axis was Warhawk. Right. I asked every other developer, I'm like, you know, when did Sony tell you about this? And the F1 guys didn't know about it until the press conference happened. And the Warhawk guys said that it was up and running for about two weeks before the show. So, I, I mean, they said it wasn't a reaction to Nintendo, but I kind of think it was a reaction to Nintendo, which would unveil the Wii Motion Controller about a month or two before that point. Right. And I don't know. I think it was a very shoveled-in feature that no one really wanted. I liked that Uncharted used it, I think, one time in the, in the original Uncharted to get across, like, a dam you had to, to keep Nathan on the, uh, yeah. the rock. That was it, and that was the only time it was ever used, and I was happy about that. But, um, I don't know. I, I see a lot of developers not even bothering with it now, and I think that's probably the way it should be. That's about right. So, was there anything else you were playing around February time? Um, I enjoyed here too. There's really not much to say about it. It's, um, it's just a solid game. It's fun. It's, um, it's, you know, they, I, I like um, Monolith. I think they do a good job of putting you into an interesting world and they, they do a good job with the level design there's always something new to see around every turn um, in, in their games I condemned I like those games a lot and Fear right. 2 is just a solid shooter did you get a chance to play that one? no I, I, I don't know I played Fear and I feel a bit like uh, if I just imagine Fear to be bigger better a bit more streamlined better enemies well the enemies were pretty good actually yeah um, yeah, I feel like I kind of, from what I've read, I would have, I can imagine a pretty good idea of what Fear 2 is and was. Yeah. Not to say that's bad, it's just I, it wasn't special, like you say, it's what I've kind of heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fear 2 wasn't, um, I mean, not a game of the year, but they, they improved every problem of the first game. They made it a lot better. And right. there's the first game was pretty much no variety, this game is a lot of variety, so they, they definitely fixed it. It's a fun game, it's a game I'll probably return to one day, which is saying a lot, so it was good. Worth playing. Excellent. And the other one I played in February is the, we were just talking about it before the show, the Ultimate Genesis Collection slash Mega Drive Uh, Collection, which is about 40 old Sega games. And if anyone knows me, they know that I was the biggest Sega fanboy in the world back in those days. So this hit home for me, and I got to play them all, and it really is the best package available on either side. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Back in those days... Okay. You haven't really lost any of it, have you? Oh well, I, I still clutch my Dreamcast close to my heart, so I really can't admit to being over it. But uh, yeah, anything that Sega made before 2003 is pretty much my favorite thing of all time. So uh, 
the keep the dreams alive. I actually played Comic Zone until 3 a.m. last night because it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, if you don't have Ultimate Genesis Collection, Sedan, talking to you, uh, pick it up. <laughs> um, they've just, we were just saying as well before the show, they've, re- they've released some of them on XBLA now, uh, some of the Genesis games. Yes. Or Mega Drive games, as they're rightfully known. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that a bit cheeky? Do you think that's a little bit dodgy? Because I, uh, I don't know. But I can kind of, it, in terms of price, it seems a bit cheeky, and I, I appreciate Sega need all the money they can get at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like maybe at this point we're exploiting uh, XBLA a little bit if we're releasing games like that. At, you know, which have already come out on retail disc. That was my reaction immediately, but then I read Jeff Gertzman's rebuttal to the whole thing on Giant Bomb, and he actually put it kind of right, and I agreed with him. He said that, you know, obviously these games are available for 30 bucks in the Genesis collection, and you could totally go that way, or you could buy them a la carte, and the way he worded it is that, okay, these games are $8 each on Virtual Console, which is ridiculous, and... Some people really just want to play one or two games, and they do add a couple features. They have online play on XBLA, which is a feature that's not in the Genesis collection. They have achievement points, which some people, myself included, are addicted to, so that's a little bonus you get there. So, you know, it's obviously... Putting them on XBLA doesn't really take anything away from the Genesis collection. You could always just buy that and be happy with it, but for the other people that want these little bonus extra features... You could totally buy them for five bucks and enjoy them that way, and I, I agree with that. That makes sense. Yeah, that is that is a good point in, in the sense that obviously you can just go and get the Genesis collection yeah. again, that no one's stopping you. It's, um, yeah, I think that's pretty resounding. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, just gonna have a quick check. I can't really think of anything in February. Yeah, there were a bunch of games that came out in February. Killzone Two, obviously. Uh, oh which, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I didn't. I haven't played yet. I do mean to go play that. Uh, I know you have. I did. I beat it. Yes. Um, you know what? It's a. It's a very solidly made shooter, and it's. Um, there's really nothing particularly wrong with it. But I'm also in the group of people that thinks that it didn't have that much personality. Um, I think that playing through the game was. It was a fun experience, but it was also something where I kept waiting to see the war that they were talking about, and I kept waiting to see something epic where, you know, you would see thousands of soldiers fighting or, you know, even something pretty big, you know, like an epic moment that would make me remember this game, and it never came. And I don't know, I just, I was very underwhelmed by what I played. The mechanics are very solid, but in the end, I didn't really enjoy them. I didn't even buy it. I just, I returned it to Gamefly, and then that was it. I Actually, I would think that Resistance is a better shooter than Killzone, which uh, I don't think many people would agree with, but I would say it is. No, I haven't, I haven't played Resistance to it either yet. I've really had shooter fatigue, which I need to get over at some point, and really go back to all those uh, shooters that came out of the you know, early part of this year and uh, late part of last year. But it's interesting because that too, because you know, there was so much hype behind it, obviously, and uh, the Sony fanboys were proclaiming it as the saviour of the PS3 and right, all this right. nonsense. I mean, we're now, what, June, four months later, and uh, I don't tend to hear much about my friends playing Killzone 2. No. Uh, I still hear more about them playing Halo 3, which I don't mean to directly compare against Halo 3, but we, uh, people did build Killzone 2 as being the shooter for the PlayStation 3, and I, I don't know whether it's proved popular enough to be the shooter for the PlayStation 3. I, I think, as you said, people just want the Halo 3 type game to come out on PS3 that gets everyone playing, that you know gets people playing it two years later and enjoying it, and I mean... 
I'm sure that game will come at some point, but I don't think Killzone is it. I think Resistance is a much better game in every imaginable way, and I think that, you know, I think people need to stop comparing things that shouldn't be compared. Just because they're both first-person shooters doesn't mean Killzone and Halo are at all alike in any way. And, you know, I'm sure there will be a key Sony-franchised FPS at some point that will blow everyone away. Like, Mag might even be it, I don't know. But I don't think they should force this title of Halo Killer onto every big first-person shooter that comes from the Sony camp. It's unfair. All right, and I mean, obviously we can say the Sony fanboys, blah, 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 but to some extent this is, you know, a lot of Sony's own work in, yes. in terms of press conferences and, and saying very stupid things. Absolutely. And uh, I think the Halo Killer is their own term, if I'm not mistaken. So. Well, even Microsoft, like in their early days, they said Brute Force was the Halo Killer, and, and it's, it's their own fault that that game failed because it, people had ridiculous expectations for it, and I think that term should be killed forever. Absolutely. Um, and, I, you know, I, I really did enjoy the first Resistance. I think it's, it's not amazing but it was a good quality game and I, I i think a lot of people were very quick to put that down because it was a launch game and say well no there's gonna be something better and you know i think it was a pretty decent shooter actually at the end of the day it's it's enjoyable yeah uh so march uh which was pretty packed uh for me uh quite a lot of games which i, I played which came out that time uh starting with one i should know we both played and i think we've disagreed about to be honest which is mad world yes uh, which you reviewed actually for the game review. I did. I, I definitely overscored it a bit. Oh, okay. Um, because I, I re- honesty. That's I, honesty. I, absolutely. That's I'm not gonna. I, I wrote that review hours after I finished it, and that's something you shouldn't do because I was kind of still and on the high that the game produced for me. A couple of days later, when I reread it, I'm like, okay, no, it should be knocked off about you know ten or so points. But it it's an enjoyable game. It is a fun game, and I think it's a game that. If you are a mature Wii owner, you should try it. And I, I think it's a damn shame that it didn't sell because it deserved more than it got. It really didn't sell. I mean, that was, that's it's frustrating, really, when you see a game like Mad World and it, it doesn't sell. Uh, because even... It, I, I think it's just quite quite a B-quality game. It's, it's okay, but I look at the style of it and I think, okay... There should be kids buying this. You know, I don't care. It's an 18 game. There should be 15 yeah. old kids buying this worldwide. It's that kind of game, and clearly, it's just the word isn't out there. Or no, yeah, I guess I to some extent the word isn't out there, or the owners aren't out there to, and, to buy the game. I don't know. You know what? I mean, House of the Dead Overkill came out in February, another Sega mature game for the Wii, and that is a very fun game, also, and it did not sell at all. And I think that. You know, a lot has been said about the mature titles on the Wii and how they will and won't sell. I think the conduits coming out next week, I, I don't see that doing well either. I, unfortunately, as much as I do enjoy playing certain titles on the Wii, I, I don't see it having a future with mature games. I don't see that day ever coming where the mature title sells 2-3 million copies. I is, is that really a problem for the Wii? Or, no, no, not at all. No. The fitness games keep selling. Um, the Nintendo games keep selling. As far as Nintendo goes, it's fantastic. They're doing great. But, I mean, it, you know, it's the same thing that happened with the GameCube, where they didn't really have great third-party support. And obviously, when a third-party big game did come out, like all the Capcom titles, those exclusive Capcom 5 that, that they agreed to do, those games weren't really selling, and they ported them all to PS2 so that they would kind of do well. And that's... The same thing's happening with the Wii. They're putting out these games, they're not selling, and eventually, by the end of the life cycle, who's going to make games for the system anymore? Right. 
I mean, I've, I've just ordered a game which also had a kind of poor performance in March on the Nintendo system, which was Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. Yeah. Which uh, I, you know, all the reviews I read were very, very praising, and it's Grand Theft Auto for goodness' sake, and it's still not selling. But that really, I think that doesn't pose a problem for this current generation of Nintendo systems, but I fear for the next batch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just wonder if you're going to get the people who've bought a Wii buying a Wii too. I mean, I I don't want to get into the whole Wii is a fad thing, because I don't think that's true at all, but I do think that right now it happens to have the public's attention. And I don't know if Nintendo comes out and says, oh, you could totally buy the Wii 2 for 250 I really don't know if the same people that bought the Wii 1 are going to jump out and get this, the, the casual quote-unquotes that you know bought it for Wii Fit or something. I don't really see them upgrading because you know they're going to look at their Wii and they're going to say, well, I played Wii Fit for two weeks and then I stopped. Am I really going to spend another $250? Sure. I think you're actually going to see a lot of the uh, original Nintendo fan base who are kind of responsible for the early boom with the system as well. Mm. I, you know, being disillusioned and really not moving over to the next system either, mm. which are... Uh, I mean, maybe not. Maybe Nintendo fanboys are kind of strangely dedicated. <laughs> but, uh, uh, if we'll, they put we'll a see. Zelda on it, it'll sell. But right, exactly. <laughs> All they, you, the pre conference was complete proof. You know, yeah. It was a fairly dodgy conference, and then all of a sudden, Mario Galaxy 2, Metroid, yep. done. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, it's amazing how those two announcements are set those people up for the next twelve months, and where I'm still like, okay, what am I going to play next month on the Wii? I don't really know. Um, <laughs> World of Goo Two, come on, please. <laughs> so there's another game that came out in March, which we we dedicated the whole show to, so we went and talked about it. But that was Resident Evil Five, which yes. uh, just just to briefly say we did our show quite quickly after that and we didn't really know much about the sales numbers at that time and uh, they've been crazy they've been amazing what do you think three months after it came out what do you think yes is it solid entry not good not great what What do you think it's it, it's worthy of the name and I think that's all that really counts like okay. I, I, I was very down on it in that show I, I must admit but um, it's a good game and it just has problems and it's fine so what Just I think Resident Evil 4 is just, it's unfortunate it came off, out after such a good game that's the thing. It's not one, it's not two, it's not four, but it stands up to the rest of the titles in the series, I think. Right. Uh, so how about you? What, what else were you playing in March? I played Leisure Suit Larry Box Office Smash. Oh, Game of the Year. Game of the Year number two. Um, let's not talk about that ever again. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Um, I played Peggle on XBLA, which is a great goddamn game and that I put a lot of hours into. <laughs> Um, and I you, refuse to ever play Peggle. You probably shouldn't, because you'll regret it. But it's great. <laughs> I bought it, actually. I own Peggle on my PC, on my phone, on my XBLA, and on my DS. So and that's why. <laughs> don't play Peggle, people. Stay far away from it. Its charms will woo you to no end. So that's it. <laughs> no way, no, no way. Just scary stuff. Um I played Wanted Weapons of Fate, which came out of that. Not, I didn't play in March, I just played it recently. Did you get a chance to play Wanted Weapons of Fate? It, I'm waiting for it to come for, via Gamefly, but I have not tried it. And I'm, I'm very glad that you said Gamefly, because yes. if anyone bought this game, they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, basically, it, it's the shortest shooter I've ever played. I've heard uh, that... In terms of that it, it's two hours, I think. It took wow. Me to complete. Get to the first end of the first level, and you're pretty much done with it, huh? Pretty much. Like, it was... It's there are nine levels, and ev- between every 
I think every two levels you're introduced to like a different thing. So the first one is like you're curving bullets, and the next thing is like you're slowing down time as you move across, went to shoot. Okay. Um, you're thinking, oh, that's really, really cool. If this keeps going for like eight hours, it'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Uh. <laughs> it just stops about level nine. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, and there's no multiplayer, there's nothing, right? Uh, I didn't want to explore them. <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I just tweeted this to, uh, to a guy called Crazy Chris, embarrassingly. Um, <laughs> I I played it again on hard for the achievement points. Good man, which good man. I, I never do that, though. And yeah. it was just that this game is so short, I thought, well, fuck it. I've got nothing else to do for the next two hours. All right. Sure. There's uh, nothing wrong with achievement whoring. Um, ask uh, our previous uh, guest, Jen. She has, what, 80-something thousand? And every time I look at her score, it makes me cry because my 60,000 seems puny. I'm not even going to mention my score. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, <laughs> all right. One day. Yeah, maybe. I got. I can I got it late. I got my excuse. Yeah, sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you got, April? Uh, April, yeah. Uh, interesting to see Braid coming out on Win- on Windows in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, do you think it will come out on PS3? Um, I don't know. I mean. Jonathan Blow seems to not care what it comes out on, because I don't think he even did the PC version. I think someone else did. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, at this point, it probably should, just so that everyone gets a chance to play it. I hope it does, just because I want everyone in the world to be able to play this game. But, I don't know. I think, you know, it's available on PC, so pretty much anyone can play it now. Uh, I think if you wanted to play Braid, you've probably already played it. Right. But if you haven't played Braid and you have a PC and oh, you're listening, yeah. then you really should play Braid. It's amazing. It really is. Um, uh, what else? How about you? Else? What were you playing around that time? Um, well, April was my two-pack of Vin Diesel uh, time. I played the, the Wheelman and I played Chronicles of Riddick. And, right. um, you know what? I mean, you could totally... You can use your car to punch other cars in the Wheelman. That's saying enough about that game. And <laughs> it's really kind of a garbage game, but it's probably one of the most fun garbage games you'll ever play. My girlfriend became obsessed with The Wheelman. She played it more than I did, so that's pretty That's pretty good. Um, and The Chronicles of Riddick is two games in one. One's not that great, but it's a, it's a solid shooter if you need another shooter, which I don't think many people do, but if you need another one that's really long, you can totally jump into that and have a good time with it. Did you play either of those? No, I, I was told I really should play Chronicles of Riddick because uh, I missed out on the first one, not having an Xbox. Right. Uh, don't know a tiny bit skeptical about that game uh, I, I tend to I don't know it's not just a movie association I just think sometimes when there is a, a half decent game that has a movie association people go crazy right uh, well you know what I think that 2009's kind of been all about that bringing back the movie game I mean we had Wolverine which got solid reviews I haven't played it yet myself and we had um, Ghostbusters just came out to very good reviews I was surprised at how well that game scored so movie games are, I mean, for every Monsters vs. Aliens and stuff like that, there's kind of been a couple solid movie games this year. Right. I mean, there was so much um, excitement around the Ghostbusters game as well. And it, I I was expecting that, uh, you know, anticlimactic, miserable review to come out, and it just never did. No, no, it's been getting very, very good scores. And I've been playing it myself, and I, I think it's worth the name. It's, it's worth trying if you're a Ghostbusters fan. Absolutely. Uh, April was a bit of a... A quiet month. I mean, I, I looking at it now. The Godfather Part Two came out, which sold strangely, amazingly. Which uh, 
bit odd. Uh, the Velvet Assassin, which I know you uh, were thrilled about in your TGR review. Yeah, um, you know, it's the kind of game that I could totally get into because I'm a, I am love Splinter Cell and it's, it's really hardcore stealth. But I think that everyone that's not me probably would hate that game. Right? <laughs> because you, you walk out of the shadows for one second and you die immediately. Um, right. And, I mean, if you seen what they're doing with Splinter Cell now where it's like you talk, you really don't even have to use the stealth but they've made it they've reinvented it into this other beast and what they did with Metal Gear last year where it's you know the stealth is there but you don't really have to use it Velvet Assassin went the complete opposite direction and that's why it got such a backlash okay um, I played it but, yeah Go the I was going to say the, I realised the one thing I did start in April which uh, kind of a small game which I returned to uh, by the name of World of Warcraft ooh oh yeah <laughs> uh, what's that about? I think it was, oh what's that about? it's uh, kind of this uh, like you know Magic the Gathering but kind of like 3D no I don't know what that is okay uh, so I think it's I know, kind of April or maybe early May but uh, I started working with uh, MMO Life MMO Hub uh, and uh, they were te- wanted me to do a column about MMO games, so I thought, okay, that's a good excuse to return to a game which sucked 2007 away. Jesus. So <laughs> okay. uh, I, I did, and it, you know what? I I'm not playing it that much. Wow, it's really weird. I'm I think I haven't logged into it in about a week and a half actually. Wow, okay. Uh, and I know that sounds really bad, like a whole week and a half. But like <laughs> even then, like I only played like what an hour, and then so I'm playing it maybe like a kind of. An hour every two or three weeks. Okay, that's not uh, bad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I'm not sure. It's a what's that saying? Uh, once you leave home, you can't ever go back. I mm. I don't know if that's quite true for WoW, but once you do leave WoW, it's a bit odd coming back to it. Mm. Uh, and I've, I've just written. I think the put, it's going to go up today on on that site. But I I just found that everything had shifted and. Uh, the right, the wrong things had shifted, and the right things hadn't. So, uh, kind of like everything I, that you need to play the game for it to be familiar, which is like the talents and the user interface, and uh, knowing kind of what things do what. They'd all changed, but the setting obviously hadn't. You're still, so if you want to go and start a whole new character, you have to go back to the same old starting areas and. So the game kind of left that. you behind, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like it, everyone's moved on, and uh, I, I feel like. You can't really take that big long gap of a whole two years and expect the game to be the same. But I wouldn't have minded as long as it had been different in some way, which was exciting. But it was different in the way which you said, "Oh no, it's not the same game you remember." Uh, it, it looks the same, but it's not going to play the same, and it's not going to feel. And basically, you're going to suck at it because of it. And uh, uh, yeah, that kind of frustrated me a I'm bit. Sorry, it's okay. I'm okay with it. Okay. If you need help, uh, just let me know. <laughs> or two is once a week, yeah. Fridays. So. Uh, that'd be good, actually. Um, good. So, uh, what else was I playing May-wise? Oh, I played uh, Professor Layton. Caught up on that. Lovely. Which, uh, awesome game. We bleated on about that game far too much. I played Riven Paradise, which I know you've kind of just started or oh, Rhythm Heaven sorry it's dying to get into it I'm dying absolutely I can't wait for it it looks so it looks exactly what I need in a rhythm game the quirky weird stupid hard DS title and I love, I love that kind of stuff I love it when Nintendo goes weird with things that's my favorite thing that they do I, I play that over Zelda any day and um, 
you know, that, that WarioWare is my, is exactly what I want from Nintendo. And this thing just looks crazier than WarioWare has ever been. So I'm, I'm super stoked about it. I mean, did you ever get the chance to play Elite Beat Agents? Or, yes, uh, yes, I did. Yeah. So the thing of Elite, Elite Beat Agents, which is, you know, I think it, it does it better than Rhythm Paradise, but uh, it's kind of got the same thing, is that it tricks you into thinking it's quite an easy game. You don't have to do too much to uh, get past the level. The score's quite low. Uh, there's not much technical skill to it. And then if you keep playing it and keep playing it and keep playing it, it gets to this impossible difficulty eventually. <laughs> and uh, that's what hooked me in with Elite Beat Agents, was just this incredible... Just the challenge was... It, brilliant and to have it in this really silly game was just wonderful Elite Beat and Agents kicked my ass and it's really <laughs> bad when you're playing like Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne and you're just right. losing and you have to keep playing it out loud while people are staring at you it, it, <laughs> I loved it it was a great game absolutely I think and that's the that Raven Paradise has that but it's it's almost like it gets difficult too soon which uh, uh, could put up a lot of people but I, I know it won't put you off you'll be playing that game until uh, its very end, I'm certain. <laughs> oh, it, love it. What else you play in May? Uh, what else I play in May? Uh, boy, I want to say Barney Commando, but I'm not sure. Is that June or May? That is May. That is May. So we both played Barney Commando, which uh-huh. is a... a, a uh, did you review it for TGR? I didn't. I threw a little review on my blog for it, okay. but that's all I did about it. So uh, let's hear your thoughts first, because I, I know you're big on the game. Yeah, I mean it's it's nothing it's nothing amazing. It's not the game you know everyone out should run out and buy right now immediately. But even though they kind of should because it's selling really bad, and I hope someone buys it. But you know <laughs> it's a fun game. It's a game that um, it's they they kind of you know Spider Man obviously has the swinging mechanic where you can fly around the city really easily. You just kind of have to keep them within the 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 lengths of the buildings, and you can totally go wherever you want to go. And Bionic Commando's like, F that, you have to aim every shot and make sure you hit it, otherwise you're going to fall to your death, and that's it. And um, I, I know a lot of people have been kind of mixed about the swinging. I think it's a lot of fun. I just, my best times at Bionic Commando was just flying through the environments at full speed, lining up your next swing, aiming for it, hitting it, swinging again, maybe shoot something while you're in the air. I think that the shooting and stuff wasn't that great. It, it, it kind of had its moments, but the, the best thing about that game is being able to just fly around and while you're at it, pick up a car, throw it at some guy, laugh, continue going on your way. <laughs> and um, for what it was, for a really maybe six, seven hour game, uh, it was really, really, really fun. And I, I want to play it again, actually, because the um, challenge system in that game, the little achievement-based uh, upgrade system that they worked in is, my my opinion, the best upgrading system that they've ever devised for an action-adventure title like that. Um, it's very addictive. It keeps you constantly looking at the challenge menu to see what you can do next. And it adds, like, this metagame on top of the full game where you want to keep getting these upgrades and challenges um, You know, every single fight. Oh, I think I can do this one. I think I can do this one. And aside from a few little bugs in that system that are that made it its way into the final game, it's it's very fun. Um, what did you think about Battle Commander? So I, I totally agree with you on the whole achievements thing up until you complete the game and you think, well, I'm going to go get some more of these achievements. Oh, I can't. Yes. I have to start again from the yes. beginning. Yes. And that's that just right. That's fine. Going back to the rental store and straight away yeah. since I saw that. Yeah. No, I, and I, it was really frustrating. Yes. No, I, I, the way the dead space did, it was really brilliant where you could just totally start a new game and have all your stuff and continue upgrading. And I really assumed that's the way about Commando was until I pressed start again and discovered that no, it's in fact not. Hmm. What did you think about the, which I know got a lot of, uh, 
caused a lot of controversy. The idea of this it was being a free uh, an open world game with uh, edges. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Um, I don't see. I don't know. Like I'm kind of. I'm not huge on open world games for the most part. I think a lot of games that have open world in them, it kind of feels shoehorned in and you end up driving... Like, The Wheelman is a perfect example of a game where you have to drive around these boring environments forever just to get where you want to go, and there's no reason for it. If it was a linear game, if it was just levels, it would have probably been better. And I, I think Bionic Commando, had it had an open world, it would have been pretty crazy and a bit more fun, but I also think that the more scripted way that they did it, where everything was in its place for you to use, and um, and that, and you had to stay on the track the whole time, because that's the way they intended it. I think for that game, it kind of worked. And I think had they set you loose in this open world city, it wouldn't have been as fun to play because you wouldn't have had these carefully manipulated uh, swing points to hit, because you could have just gone around them and found some other way or whatever. I think the linearity kind of helped the game in a way. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the only problem I found of it was that when I got into those sort of radioactive areas, I I didn't feel like I ever had enough time to get out of them. Uh, yeah. So I died very quickly. I just feel like it could have done a bit more warning and a bit more visual cue in terms of like saying this is an area where you can't go. Right. It was always a bit sort of like, oh, really? I can't go here. Did you get <laughs> Yeah, for those who haven't played the game, if you... <clears throat> Excuse me. If you fall into water, or if you go a little higher than you're supposed to be, or if you go to the little bit to the left of where you're supposed to be, you're pretty much going to die in three seconds because there's this radioactive cloud that kills you instantly. And it's kind of they they went overdid it a bit on that. Um, I guess because they wanted to make it uber hard at points, which I don't think the game was that tough, but it definitely has its moments. And um, I don't know. It, it feels very limiting, even to the point where even in a linear game, it feels like it's restricting you quite a bit. But in a way it didn't really bother me too much. I think I got past it, and I was okay with it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. One other thing about Bionic which I was going to write a big red potion blog post about this, but this was before the move uh, from South London to West London over to my life, was <laughs> uh, kind of the, the confusion of the narr- narrative tone with it. And yeah. I don't know if you noticed it, but I don't know whether it knew whether to be a serious game or a game taking the piss out of itself. And they got confused throughout the whole thing of sort of being, I'm serious now. Oh, wait, no, I'm not serious. Oh, yes, yeah. I am. No, I'm not. I, I wrote in my blog post how when I heard the line that's uttered by the main character, um, is that a long health bar in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? That was the moment where I was like, what the F are they doing with this game? And right. like the main character is just this douche the whole time. He's just screaming these stupid uninteresting things at all these characters and he has these stupid dreadlocks that you want to rip off his head and he's got like I mean he's not really an interesting or likable dude but he's got a cool arm so you kind of want to play as him but um I don't know like the story really wasn't that uh interesting but um they kind of went some weird ways with it at the end weird directions with the tone as you were saying and it didn't really fit what was happening I would have much more enjoyed if it was like Grindhouse, where everything is just crazy insanity all the time and your right. you know, ridiculousness, but they didn't go that way at all. No, I think they had the perfect platform as well, because, you know, Rearm did such a good job of, uh, you know, yeah. taking the Mickey out of the original game in a really kind of charming way. Yeah. And so, well, we're coming up to uh, the final month, which is yep. this month, yep. it's June. Uh, what have you been playing recently, Joe? Jack Squat. 
to be honest with you. Uh, what, what, with that, that's on what system? It's on both, actually, PS3 and Xbox. Okay. I want achievement points, though, so I've been going on 360. But actually, I've been playing, uh, I read playing Leopard, uh, I'm sorry, we're playing Mirror's Edge because okay. it's short and because I, I beat it on 360, I mean, I beat it on PS3 originally, I rented it, and I, I had ordered a 360 copy, so I'm kind of going through it on 360 now, and it's a fun game. It's got some a lot of flaws, but it's a fun game. Um, and I really, I, really liked Mirror's Edge, to be honest. Yeah, you know what? I really liked it, too, but I didn't like it. I, I was kind of, last year, the, the trailers and the demo and everything, I pretty much assumed that it was going to be my game of the year. Right. Because it just, it everything that I wanted in a game, it kind of looked like it had it. Like, the unique premise, the great graphic style, the, the, the cool scenario, and... I think the the fighting kind of hurt it for me a bit, and I went hardcore on it. I turned off the, the runner vision and stuff. I wanted to make everything into a puzzle, and, and it actually works better that way if you do that. But um, I think the, the fighting and the shooting kind of brought it down a little bit, and um, I'm playing through it now. I'm trying to get the uh, achievement for beating the game without shooting anybody, and it's really effing hard if you try and do that, so... Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting playthrough. I don't think I'll do it a third time, but it's it's still a fun game. It's still enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to the 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 new maps that they added, the crazy challenge maps that look pretty pretty cool. Did you get a chance to try those? No, I really wanted to. Uh, I only rented a game because I knew it was going to be quite short ahead yeah. of time, and I was you know wasn't really interested in the time trial stuff, which is stupid because once I completed the game, the one thing I really wanted to do was the time trial stuff over and over <laughs> and over, and it's like. I'm kind of glad that I didn't because yeah, I, could, I could have lost a lot of time to that. Sure. Uh, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> it, I just think uh, people were way too harsh on the certain aspects of like saying, oh, well, the, the, the view doesn't suit the gameplay. And I think that's a very repressed, regressed way of coming to a game like that and saying that the view doesn't suit the gameplay because... I don't know. Just because it hasn't, it seemed it was mainly because it hadn't been done before that people were cynical about it. And I, I okay, obviously I understand that, but uh, I think people had judged that game before they even played it. And uh, I don't know. I didn't find any problem whatsoever with the perspective at any point with that I, game. I don't agree with that at all. I think that the people, I, I think that you know, as you said, people kind of get. Uh, touchy when they they're given something that there's really no comparison to, um, and this game is definitely different than pretty much anything that's come before it. And you know, uh, Prince of Persia, everyone was so used to that third person platforming parkour thing that when this weird ass runner shooter first person game came out, no one was really prepared for it. And I think that had this game been third person, no one would have even noticed it because it would have just been another Prince of Persia clone. Right, and I think that you know, I think that Dice did a really great job of making you feel comfortable in doing these kind of things in first person. And to be honest with you, I would like to see more games do it. I heard that Brink, um, Bethesda's new game, is kind of has these parkour elements in first person, and that it works really well. I haven't seen it myself, but um, I would think that we're going to see more of these things in first person games in the future. And I think people will just get used to it and shut up about it because there's nothing wrong with the way it was in Mirror's Edge. I hope so. I, I'm just, I hope there'll be a Mirror's Edge 2, but it didn't really sell, and it continues well, not to sell. So It was a story on Kotaku that uh, John Riccatello said that there is a small team of people working on Mirror's Edge 2 right now. That, well, that would be fantastic, because I, uh, I think that game will do better commercially as well the second time around. I think it, it, it's one of the games that will just needs the word to get around, and people say, the first one was pretty good, actually. Did you try it? Oh, no, I didn't. Well, whatever. So, you know, 
Uh, it's unfortunate that rentals don't really count for anything in, in sales figures because that's a game that I guarantee you a lot of people rented. I think I think a lot of people have played this game a lot more than it shows in the sales numbers. And I think, you know, if the most of those people enjoyed it, which I don't see how they couldn't because it was a very fun game, um, I would think the second one would do quite a bit better. Yeah, me too. So uh, apart from Mirror's Edge and Jack Squat, uh, and a whole bunch of Genesis games. What uh, else have you been playing this month? Just Ghostbusters, which we've gone into it a bit, but um, I think everyone out there is kind of playing that now. And it, right. Um, it, it's just you know what? I'm, Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time, and all I really wanted from this was more Ghostbuster stuff, and that delivers 100% on that. And um, <laughs> it's you know it's all the actors, it's all the scenarios. They they find a way to shoehorn everything from the movies into this game, so crazy obsessed fans like myself will have a lot to love and you know it's um i know there's some weird stuff going on in europe about this game now only coming out on ps3 and stuff which is a shame because um i I think you know everyone should have a chance to try this game but um yeah i mean if you're a ghostbuster fanatic like myself you're my age pretty much you're you're probably a ghostbusters fan who wants this game and it it will totally live up to your expectations yeah i i'm been telling myself all week I'm not going to get it, and I'm obviously going to get it. So you know, we'll just <laughs> move on. Cause I can kind of deny to myself I'm going to get it. Um, I, I I've been playing a couple of games recently. I played uh, a little game you recommended to uh, listeners back in show nine, which was The World Ends with You. Yes. Which is superb, and you are a very clever man. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting game. I was really really cynical about it after about five minutes, just in terms of the the dual screen mm-hmm. and it's it's funny how much you suddenly realize that uh you it's not a dual screen game at all actually you're just switching from one to the other it's, yes. you, you never at any point play both screens at the same time right Absolutely. and i just it, it's strange how it sold us itself like that but it it didn't work out like that and i just i wrote a recent post on this on our, on our blog actually just considering why it didn't really sell and uh, Square Enix is not, not really pushing it and I just I feel like it was a it could have been much bigger than it, it was yeah I don't know what, no, what do you think um, I think it's again it's another one of those games that isn't really like many other titles so people didn't really know what to do with it when it came out yeah I mean like me I'm not an I'm not an HJRPG guy I'm not a huge fan of Square Enix Yet, I saw the graphic style of this game, and I'm not a graphics guy, but I saw the, just the way that they portrayed the visuals in the screenshots, and I'm like, A, this looks like Jet Set Radio, and B, this looks yeah. like something that I want to play. And I rented it because I didn't think I was going to like it, and I ended up buying it the day after the rental, and I, I played through that thing incredibly fast. And um, I was actually just talking with Jared Newman, who was on our show a couple of shows ago, about it, he actually picked it up recently also, and he fell into it too. And he wasn't as in love with it as I am, but he he admitted that it was a, a damn addictive title that you know is, is a lot of fun. And it's it's so different and so weird than anything Square has really done ever. Right. That, um, I don't really know if the Square fan base would flock to that kind of thing as they would a Kingdom Hearts or whatever. But you know, it's it's really cheap in America right now. It's like fifteen to twenty bucks, and it's something that you know. Square fan or not, RPG fan or not, give this damn game a shot. And I think it sold pretty well in Japan, I remember reading. And America, it sold better than they thought it would. They actually had to re- restock it um, around the country because it was selling out so fast. So I'm really hoping that this game picks up a lot of steam and they make a second one because it really deserves it. I just, I, I feel like in 
if you take away the gameplay, you just replace it with something more accessible, more friendly. Uh, I don't think that game loses that much. I feel like the gameplay isn't actually that, and I don't feel wonderful about saying that, but I, mm. I think there's a. I played that game for the characters in a weird way. As much as I hated the main character, and he's, <laughs> and you're designed to hate him, which is kind of makes it okay. Really? <laughs> uh, like the characters in that, just the the writing is really good for a DS game. It's mm. really some of the best writing you'll get on a DS game. Yeah, and. Yeah. It's and then the setting as well is just like so hip and so exciting and the fact that it's you know just based on 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 the real district of Tokyo Shibuya, it's really just special and I I, I thought if if you publicise the Square Enix, Square Enix name if you uh, publicise the art style of it it will sell and they clearly felt that the gameplay was too big a barrier and that there wasn't it wasn't worth pushing it really I, I don't know. Um... It's 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 one of those things that you know it's not like Chrono Trigger it's not like Final Fantasy so what do you really do with it and I mean it's kind of like the other Square games that have come out like Parasite Eve they really didn't know what to do with that when it came out and right. it kind of picked up this niche audience the, the mainstream fans really never got into that and I I don't know I think Square is a very focused country they do what they do really well and that's it and mm. everything outside of that like they're putting out Supreme Commander too I don't really know what they're doing with that. Right. But it's 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 weird and it's interesting, but um, I don't know. I really hope that game picks up some steam. What did, did you think of the soundtrack? Because me and Jared talked at length <laughs> about it. It is this for people that haven't played it. It's like it's J-pop, but it's the most happy, bubbly, addictive J-pop you'll ever hear. And I guarantee you, you will download the soundtrack at one point if you play this game. You see, I I, I saw your tweets. Uh, <laughs> uh, you and Jared have been exchanging, and I thought, oh god. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to like this soundtrack at all. The soundtrack's brilliant. It's it's superb. I completely agree with you. It's 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 not cheesy in any way at all. It's actually quite modern. Uh, and for J-pop, it's not that J at all. Actually, I think it's quite it's quite Western sure. uh, in some ways. It's just that some bits aren't. <laughs> there are some very there are one or two particular very J-poppy songs. But I think it is a really good soundtrack and. Uh, I don't know what, what Jared's problem was. <laughs> <laughs> no, he loved it. He, he just didn't want to oh, love it, it because it was so ridiculously stupid. But oh, okay. um, it's, you know, like, I don't know if this is a really obscure reference, but if anyone's ever played Busta Groove slash Busta Move on the PS1, that game had a very weird pop, J-pop thing, and the songs were so freaking addictive. And I didn't want to listen to them because they're so, like, happy and bubbly. But that was right. a game, much like The World End With You, where the soundtrack lasted on my iPod for a very long time, and that's a damn shame. Um, but it is a great game and a great soundtrack. Absolutely. I totally recommend The World End With You. Uh, that we've completely overshot on the oh. hour, which oh, we... Yeah. Yeah, um, so you have I'll, one more I'll, big one to talk about for June, don't you? Yeah, I do. Which I'll, we'll get out quickly, because people have been talking about it uh, all, all the last couple of weeks. And that's Infamous on the uh, PlayStation 3 right. which uh, I know you're going to get uh, dying to get it yeah I really want to I was again another game I was kind of skeptical about because it, the hype train had been crazy with this all of a sudden it, it, as soon as I think the IGN review came out the 9.2 mm. uh, people just went insane and saying this is the game to get the game to get and I was cynical as soon as I started because it, it's it doesn't impress you very much in its first sort of few minutes. It's kind of like you look at the graphics, like oh, it's, it's nice graphics, but it's not that amazing. The, the controls are a bit loose. The characters are a bit too stereotypical and a bit too larger than life. 
uh, it all feels a bit kind of messy and then once you start getting the powers once you start getting to fire electricity at people and <laughs> ride on wires and <laughs> perform like leaps of death on people it's it is basically the most fun I've had in the in that kind of sort of playground open world game in so much in so long. I like even with GTA, I don't I like GTA more, but not for the playground side of it. I prefer to I like the story, which people tend to not. But I really like like GTA 4 story, for example. Um, but this one is just I feel like with Infamous, I felt like a kid <laughs> uh, just <laughs> said, "Here you go, do what you want," and. It, Basically, just have, having my friends around watching me just massacre <laughs> loads of people with ridiculously cool moves. It was just superb. I really, really enjoyed that game. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying to get it. As we were just talking about before the show, we both have just ridiculous backlogs because of the last couple of weeks is of insanity. And yeah. um, right on the, as soon as I finish all 12 games that I need to beat before I buy <laughs> anything else, Infamous will be number one for me. I will get it <laughs> I bet you on the show now you won't last. You'll buy Infamous before it. <laughs> the second it's on sale, if it's fifty eight ninety nine, I'll probably grab it. So, um, <laughs> did you play Evil or Good? I, I always play Good. Okay. Uh, which would, would ah nicely done because next week that we are talking about uh, playing as an evil character. Ah, totally intentional. Of course, yeah. <laughs> not, not at all. I'm not that smart. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, we've got, uh, I think this was your your idea for a show, uh, we're going to be talking about playing as evil characters and whether, uh, kind of looking at the ways different games handle morality and actually playing as an evil character and kind of what it means to be evil in a game and what that says about you and, and what you have to be to play as evil, and uh, I think that would be a really interesting show. We're going to have uh, Jeffrey Matleff for certain on that show. Sure, the, uh, uh, the most evil person I know. Yes. Uh, well, look well, at that mustache. Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> he will tie you down to a railroad track, set you up, <laughs> evil bastard. Yes, girls beware of the matter. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that, that should be that should be a great show. And uh, really, to be honest, I think if we're talking about the next week's show, we've gone like what 18, 90 minutes in the show. We should probably start closing out. Okay, I don't know how. I, I don't think anyone else is going to be left listening to us. So if you are, I, I you, you should get a trophy. Like a real trophy, too. You made it this far. Listen to us blather on about this stuff. Congratulations. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> okay, so uh, so let's close this out. Uh, Joe, final thought on 2009.5. Because I forgot to say it before, I have to get it in there. Punch out is rad. <laughs> uh, my final thought will be on the game that I missed out then, which was... Uh, Football Manager Live back in the beginning of the day and uh, I'm sorry Sports Interactive I really want to be playing your game but I, I forgot about it sorry uh, yeah anyway uh, so join us all next week we'll be back to kind of uh, even more normal scheduling than this week's episode which uh, has run away from us I think but uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed our rambling and we'll see you all next week 